We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to Lakers Nation Live. I am Trevor Lane, and the Lakers, yikes, fall flat to start their road trip in Orlando. The two-game winning streak comes to an end, losing this game. Again, a very winnable game against a Magic team that is young, that is hungry, but very beatable, and the Lakers found a way to walk out with the loss. We'll break down exactly what happened. Was it just poor shooting? Was it poor rebounding technique? Was it poor effort? Was it maybe all of the the above? We'll dive into all of that. But first, welcome in, everybody coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. Hopefully, we get to vent a little bit. Anybody who's coming in for the first time, well, this is not not the... Uh, not the way that you want to come into the first time for the show coming off of a tough loss, but welcome in nonetheless. And hopefully by the time we have gotten through everything, maybe we just feel a little bit better. At the very least, we get to vent a bit about a frustrating, frustrating Lakers loss. Uh, joining me, we've got Sean Davis. Sean, you know, you you said you were going to pull double duty today. You're going to come on the, the main show here as well as do your show after the game. And I got to commend you because um, that that's pretty bold, pretty brave of you to decide to talk more about a brutal loss. I should have picked that, uh, picked the Clippers game to do that. Shouldn't right? I? <laughs> oh man, that, that was that was brutal. That was brutal. It, this this was just this was a a rough performance all the way around. You know it. It seemed to me, and I think we can get into exactly what happened in this game. And by the way, chat will be getting to your questions and comments momentarily. But, it, you know, as much as we can get into, was it the rebounding? Was it the shooting? Was it was it all of that? From an, an energy standpoint, it felt like from the get-go, the Lakers arrived in Orlando, and they expected that upon arrival, they would be handed a win. They would be handed maybe maybe a season pass to Disney world. I don't know yeah. what else they were expecting, but they clearly weren't expecting to have to fight for a W in, in Orlando tonight. Cause we certainly didn't see much of them that out of them until later in the game, at, at which point it was, it, it was too late. And we've kind of been seeing this out of this team. You know, they now had what five out of six games. 
They've been exiting the first quarter with a double-digit deficit, and then they find ways to come back. At some point, you knew that was going to bite them in the butt, and it happened tonight in, again, uh, a game against a very beatable opponent. Yeah, and start off by giving the uh, the Magic some credit. That's a Absolutely. really, really good defense. They play hard, they're scrappy, and they're one of the better offensive rebound units in the NBA, I mean, which is why they did what they did on the glass tonight. At one point, they were at 21 second chance points. I think they had that in the first half. Lakers made a bit more of a concerted effort in the second half, but that's the thing, like, that there shouldn't be like an, an on and off switch with with effort and just energy and playing hard. Um, so that that was really really frustrating to watch tonight from from Darvin. Um, excuse me, not from Darvin, from from the players. The energy just coming out of the game, and yeah, I mean, but kudos to, kudos to I, I think a really good Magic team. And Paulo was hitting threes tonight. Jalen sucks and a few pull up jumpers. Which if they're doing those things and yeah, and you don't play with energy, then yeah, this could be a, a could be a game like this where you don't play with energy, you let them get a ton of offense rebounds and second chance points, and their better players actually hit shots. Yeah, that, that that's a recipe for disaster against most teams, even. And that's and that's just it. That that last bit there against most teams. This is the new NBA, the era of parody, Adam Silver's dream. That means that there's not easy wins in this league anymore. There's yeah. just not. There's not nights where you get a win just by rolling the ball out on the floor. You've got to go out. Okay, there's a few teams that are really, really poor. But the Magic, despite Houston, this. Is that it? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few. You know, Houston, you've got some teams over in the Eastern Conference. But Orlando is no longer among those teams. Orlando has risen and we talked about this before the lakers played them the first time they've now risen up to that status of a team where if you don't like if you play your best basketball you're going to beat them nine times out of ten if you don't play your best basketball though they're going to kick your ass you're not going to be able to get anything done they're going to do things on the offensive glass if you're not quick to the ball if you're not focused and that's exactly what happened to the lakers in this one they wound up again giving up 19 offensive rebounds Sean one of my keys to the game going into the night was to cut down on the offensive rebounds the Magic had 12 last time they played the Lakers had 19 offensive rebounds again a lot of those happening early in the game and then it was the turnovers not turning the ball over too much well the Lakers turned the ball over 17 times mathematically it's so it's not impossible but it's so difficult to win a basketball game when you give up that many second chance opportunities to illustrate 84, or to dig a little deeper, 84 shot attempts for the Lakers, 101 for the Magic. The Magic didn't shoot better than the Lakers from the field. They shot better from three, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but didn't shoot better from the field. They just shot a lot more than the Lakers did. Why? Because they got second chance and third chance, in some cases, opportunities because the Lakers were not good with their own defensive glass, and that is... That's something to continue working on. That's something that we knew was going to be an issue against this Magic team if you didn't come out focused, and the Lakers sure did not. Yeah. yeah. Well, and this For is sure. the other thing. Um, Xavier mentioned this. With two days off. Yeah, with Lakers two had, days off. How? Yeah, they didn't practice. Sean, they took two days off. I And I mentioned this on – I don't remember which show at this point, but Maybe one of our shows, practice. the Lakers, They I got the notification Wednesday night. From the Lakers, hey, we're not practicing Thursday. Okay, all right, I get it. that. That's that's normal. That, that's par for the course. After a game, they don't practice the next day. But then I got the notification 
Thursday night that they weren't going to practice on Friday either. Now, that doesn't mean they're not looking over film and, and things like that. And I know they've got a lot of guys out hurt, but still, you've got two days in a row off. Doesn't happen very often, often in the schedule. To not run a practice was surprising to me. And I, and I wonder if that had something to do with the lack of, of sharpness. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely something to keep an eye out for. And you're facing a Miami Heat team come Monday night. So that's going to be really, really fun. I'm saying that in a very nervous tone if you are listening on the podcast. Uh, Bella's event center said, we come out flat, give minimal defensive effort. Yes, that was a problem. And refuse to box out. I thought getting max effort from our guys would be Ham's strength. I mean, he is that guy that we've talked about you want to run through a brick wall for. But I don't know if this is a... Like, where do you, I know whenever the Lakers lose, and even sometimes when they don't lose, the fingers get pointed at Darvin Ham, right? Like, he's he's the one that's going to take blame first and foremost. But is this a, when you see a team come out so flat, is that a coaching thing? Is that the players who should, who should harbor most of the blame there? I think personally, as a coach myself, I think it depends on the level that you're at, right? Mm-hmm. I think... Like in the NBA, personally, it's kind of a, all right, you guys are like grown men. All right. Like you guys are like, most of you have been established guys in the NBA. You've been around the block a little bit. Like it's an early game. Like, you you know, you got to bring your own energy. You've been playing basketball for 20 plus years for, Mm -hmm. for most of you guys. Right. For high school or whatever, like my level, for example, right, or even college to a certain extent, where the experience isn't isn't as as high. Okay, sure, you can blame the coach a little bit more for like, hey, you got to like fire these dudes up a little bit more, right? But like, yeah, to a certain extent, man, like that, the players not having effort or like not like the players not coming out from the gate and like playing with high energy, in my opinion, isn't really like the coach's problem. In my opinion, at least at, at, in the NBA, at, at the very least, it can be like if you get to an extreme level where the team is completely tuned out the coach. And that's not something that we feel like is is happening here. But it was it was a flat performance. And look, this is this is a young, hungry magic team. And again, give Orlando all the credit in the world. They played like they badly wanted to win this game. The Lakers played like it would be nice to win it. You know, right, like wouldn't, it wouldn't optional. Hurt, take it or leave it. Take it or yeah. leave it. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be great. Yeah, no, no problem. They were very non-committal about this game. Um, looking at the stat sheet here, Paulo Bancaro, twenty-five points. He was red hot. Nine of fifteen shooting. Twelve of twenty-eight. Assists. Ten assists. Well, they they shot thirty-six percent from from the field or from three. I mean, forty-six percent from the field. But when you get that many shot attempts. There's going to be some assists to go around there. Um, 25 and, and 10 assists for Bancaro. 26, 5 and 2 for Franz Wagner. He got 13 from Mo Wagner, our old friend. Cole Anthony had 14, including the dagger three that essentially ended the Lakers' minuscule hopes of making a comeback run. And then you go look at the Lakers. D'Angelo Russell, 1 for 10 from deep. That's that's a, that's a huge difference he maker. Missed so many just so like... Many. Like so many momentum threes. It feels like the Lakers missed these shots in general, but like Tilo tonight definitely missed a ton of momentum threes. Oh my goodness. And then, and then AD 
28, 13, and three with seven blocks. Yeah. 10 of 15, uh, eight of eight from the free throw. You got to feel like you wasted a pretty darn good Anthony Davis performance. Yeah. How about the media talk about talk about this from AD the past five games? 30, 12, and three and three steals. 30, 16, three and two, three blocks, two steals. 26, 19, two blocks and steal. 27, 10, four blocks and steal. And then tonight, 28, 13, seven blocks, three assists on 66% field goal percentage. Yeah, talk about that instead of focusing on one bad half of basketball through six games. Yeah, yeah there's still there's still that focus on the whole discussion of, of, oh, it's still LeBron's team. AD will never be that guy. That's all stemming from five games ago in the second half from, against Denver. Right. Uh, Le- LeBron, by the way, 24 points, nine boards, five assists, three steals. Do you make anything of the fact that the Lakers are plus 12 with LeBron? No. Minus 24 with AD. AD had a really good game, but it still feels like the Lakers, when LeBron's on the floor, things go okay. When LeBron's off the floor, they don't. And that was that was supposed to be a problem that was solved with this team. No, I don't really make much of it personally. Do I think this Lakers team was better with LeBron on the floor? Sure. But, I mean, if you remember, like the Lakers got burned in the three big lineup tonight. When uh, it was Jackson, that, that's where like the big run happened initially. When it was Jackson, uh, AD, and Christian Wood, that's yep. when the run happened. And that's why AD's plus minus looks bad. And he was in foul trouble a ton tonight, which like partially affected his shot blocking. But still, he still ended up with seven freaking blocks. And there were at least three or four possessions tonight where AD's kind of holding back on blocks so that he doesn't pick up another foul. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think... I, I, I was nice to see Braun continue to take the the mid range jumpers in the first half at least, and he kind of you know picked his spots more in the second half. But like, yeah, it, it just a really really frustrating game. That's kind of hard to praise a bunch of guys. Yeah, that's um, it, that's just it, right? That that's just it. This is a this was a tough one. <laughs> this was a tough one to watch. I, I, yeah, I will say this though. We are three and three. It took us 50 some odd games, if not more, to even to get to 500. touch 500. So I got it. There's a couple of comments on the playback stream, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. That is like, hey, Sean, are you changing your picks? I had the Lakers winning the chip and coming out, coming out of the West, obviously. And it was something along the lines of, hey, are you get, like, does this loss make you change that or whatever, them being three and three? No, it's six games in. There's like six games. Out of 82, is it going to make me change my opinion on the Lakers, especially when I had them winning it all? So, like, they'll be fine. They'll bounce back. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're supposed to win this game. It is a rough loss, but we are 3-3. Three and three. We are fine. For yeah, now. for now. it's Look, it's not a game that you should lose. It's not good. If this winds up being one game out of 82 where they fell flat for whatever reason, it happens. It's going to happen over the course of a season. If this becomes a consistent thing, that's a bigger problem, right? That's something else that we'll that we'll dive into. But as Mamba Mentality said, hopefully the Lakers realized how dangerous slow starts are. All teams got the memo. By the way, Lakers, this is the tempo NBA teams play at these days. Yeah, so the Lakers are now building a reputation as a team that you can do two things against. The number one, you can really take it to them in the first quarter and put them in a bad spot. You know teams are going to come out extra fired up because they know that can be a path to victory for them if they come out and put it on the Lakers when they're still sleepwalking. And then 
They also, based on this game, I promise you, next game against Miami, they are going to commit extra attention to offensive rebounds. They're going to do everything they can to crash the offensive glass because Orlando just exploited the Lakers that way. Um, so those are issues that the Lakers need to solve. And this is six games now where only one game did the Lakers have a lead coming out of the first quarter and five games they had a double-digit deficit. That's got to be fixed. That's got to be fixed. And until you do, teams are going to come out fired up and really trying to push the Lakers in the first quarter because the Lakers can't seem to figure out life in, in the first quarter of games, and then they're trying to dig their way out the entire rest of the game. Yeah. Um, now, luckily for the Lakers, the, the the Heat are the fourth worst offensive rebounding team in the NBA. Thank and lucky for the for the Lakers, the Heat are like middle of the pack defensive rebounding team, which means this has got to be like a bottom five. Yeah, they're like the sixth worst rebounding team in general in terms of rebounding percentage. So, Luckily, I don't know if Jimmy's hurt. Is Jimmy hurt? I feel like he hasn't played. But you should honestly beat the Heat come Monday night. But it's going to be a tough game because they're super, super gritty. And you're in Miami. But you just you got to find a way to, to win some of these games. Where And, and like, like you said, not put yourself behind the eight ball where me and Ryan were talking about it. Like It's a predictable game script now. So far, at least, through six games, it's, all right, Lakers down 13 at the end of the first quarter. All right, let's cut this lead to eight by the end of the second quarter. Okay, yep. cool. You cut to 10. All right, let's cut it to, to five by the end of the third quarter. Okay, cool. Now we at least have a shot, right? So I don't know, man. It's uh it's super, super frustrating, but you got to get ready for uh for a really, really fun test on on Monday night against Miami. Absolutely. That's gonna be uh, and we'll have plenty of time to to break that down, you know, what the Miami matchup should look like, but I think the Lakers need to come out, and I was hoping they would do this game one, but they need to come out upset, angry, um, and really fired up and really focused. This loss should bother them. They should get under their skin. Um, if it doesn't, that's a bigger concern. Now, we do have to note, and you can see it just looking at the at the box score, the, the Lakers have eight players right now. Um, and that's something worth noting. Again, this is not a reason for a loss here. By no means is this an excuse, because guess what? Orlando's missing guys, too. They were missing Marco Fultz, Wendell Carter, Gary Harris. By no means is this a reason why the Lakers should lose this game at all. But it's worth noting that right now, the Lakers, you're missing Jared Vanderbilt. You're missing Rui Hachimura. You're missing Torian Prince. That's a lot of your wing depth. A lot of the wing depth that we were so excited about for this season is gone right now due to injury. Darvin Ham before the game said that he expects Torian Prince and Rui, Rui Hachimura back sooner rather than later, and Jared Vanderbilt back later rather than sooner. That's a little bit concerning, but good news on Torian Prince and Rui. Hopefully, I don't know, fingers crossed, maybe they're back for Miami, but um, the Lakers are definitely shorthanded right now, and that's something that is going to prevent them from really settling in on chemistry, on habits, on consistency, because right now you're just trying to keep things held together until you can get some of these players back. Yeah. Um, you, you need these guys healthy. You need you need, really need at least Torian and, and Ruby healthy. Um, you got to establish some habits on both ends of the floor. They're, they're not boxing out really well at all right now. Um. 
I, I'm not as low on the defense as I think some people are because I honestly think right now, last time I checked, this was before tonight, they were like the, the 13th best defense and defensive rating this early is so much of a fluky stat, but they're like 13th in defensive rating and that's without your best perimeter defender in Jared Vanderbilt, right? And you add Vando back to this team, I think it really is going to make this team a lot better defensively. And even though he's not a good three-point shooter, the Lakers have done a good job, at least, finding ways, especially with Jackson Hayes, and I hope for for you know my, my, my sanity that they continue this with Vando, that they, they found ways to like make these guys actual threats with, even without being shooting threats uh, in, on the perimeter with chase dribble handoffs now. Vando isn't the explosive finisher that Jackson Ace is supposed to be. I'm saying supposed to be because he hasn't played well and he had some missed opportunities tonight. But I am really, really excited to get Vando back uh, on this team. Unfortunately, he's the later rather than sooner guy. We're going to have to wait a while. I know he doesn't even get reevaluated until after the road trip, um, but it will help, I think, when he does come back. Uh, Brad gifted a Lakers Nation membership. By the way, guys, if you haven't checked out the membership program, the join button on the YouTube channel is something you can try out and uh, and see how you like it. There's a, a lot of perks associated with the membership program. I've been trying to add as much value as possible. We added a few new emojis. Unfortunately, emojis that we're not going to be able to use on tonight's show because uh, they have to do with wins, but all kinds of stuff coming to the membership program. So if you haven't checked it out yet, give it a look. Um, let's get into this one. Shin said, why were we playing zone? Felt like we gave up too many threes. This was a reality slap for the Lakers. We need to find what makes us a championship team. Sean, my sense, and you can tell me what you thought during the game, but things were not going the Lakers way. So Darvin went zone just to try to muck things up a little bit and throw a, a different wrinkle at the Orlando Magic just because what what they were doing clearly wasn't working. So I know I'll talk about this more on the, the post-post-game show, but I do have some synergy data from tonight, and the Orlando Magic had 26 half-court zone offensive possessions, and they scored on they scored 0.654 points per possession on those attempts. Right, so 18 of the 26 uh, possessions in the half court against the Lakers zone, the Magic did not score. Only eight of the 26 times that the Lakers ran zone did the Magic score. And the fourth quarter, they ran zone 14 times, and the Magic only at scoring possessions four of those times in the fourth quarter. So, like, the, the Lakers zone... They had a they had stretches where it didn't really work, but like they had a four minute stretch in the fourth quarter, four minutes of some change where Orlando couldn't make a shot. Mm -hmm. Orlando went four minutes of some change without making a field goal, and that was when they were in their zone. And then Orlando hits a three, and it's all oh my god, why are we running? Why are we running zone? Well, because they went twelve straight possessions without scoring against it, and then they just so happened to score right here. Now, am I a fan of zone personally? Not really, but. Like Trevor said, nothing was working. Your half-court man-to-man was getting shredded, where tonight against your man-to-man, they scored over one point per possession against your man in the half-court. So, yeah, that kind of makes sense why I would at least try the zone if they're scoring over a point per possession against my half-court man-to-man defense anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I and mean, why not? That, at that point, when you're getting blown out like that, why not try something? Because what you're doing is clearly not working. So 
why not try something else? And they um, they did, and obviously that uh, that did not work out. Um, all right, let's let's get to this one. Um, I want you all to realize this: we're not a good basketball team right now. Bronze saved us in the games we won, but we're really not good. We play more bad basketball than good, and coach is an idiot. Is that is that just what it like? Are we just saying the Lakers are a bad basketball team? I don't think I've seen enough to settle on Lakers are good, Lakers are bad, put them in a definitive bucket in the, on either side. Have the Lakers, you know, been this have the Lakers played how the Celtics have played or let that green team rather how they played? No, right? But you can't definitively say this team's been bad when out of their six games. Four of their games have been against like the Western Conference powerhouse teams in air quotes, right? Uh, in Phoenix twice, Sacramento, and uh, sorry, not Phoenix twice, Phoenix, the Clippers, Sacramento, and Denver, and you beat two of those teams, right? So like you split against really really good teams. I'm sure you were supposed to beat. You're supposed to beat Orlando twice and continue this win streak, but. I don't know, man. I, I just can't like make these hard claims. Like the Lakers are not a championship team six games into the season. That's like what five percent of the regular season. Hold on. The Lakers have played seven point three percent of the regular season, and we're declaring them a bad team right now. The, a bad team is the Memphis Grizzlies. That is a bad basketball team. Like record wise, how they play, they're zero and six. Like we, this is not a bad team. We haven't even seen your again. You haven't seen your best de defender play yet. Ruiz missed three games, I think. Now, the Rockets are a bad team. The Grizzlies are a bad team. The Wizards, the, the, the Raptors, like those are bad teams. Lakers are not a bad team. I mean, it's I understand where there's frustration that comes in though, because aside from spurts in the Clippers game we haven't seen very inspired basketball from the Lakers so far this season we haven't seen much anyway to point to and go see this is a really good team right we haven't seen a stretch where the Lakers have played well and we've thought there it is there it is this is a good Lakers team because of what they just did here and instead we've seen a few examples that have been mediocre we've seen stretches where they haven't been good and now you've got an example that you can point to and say see this is the kind of loss that a that a bad team has against a team like Orlando um I do think that there's moments where even good teams will drop games that they shouldn't hopefully this is just a early season hiccup but I understand why there why there's frustration out there while still saying I think it's too early to settle in on this team is bad. This team is good. This team is whatever, especially when, you know, the situation is what it is. You're missing so many different players, and that's not, you know, uh, again, no, there, there's no excuse for dropping this game, even with the players that are missing. Um, but the fact remains that we haven't seen this team fully healthy. Hopefully we will at some point. But five guys being out right now, four of them being two, uh, being top eight rotation guys, that means it's hard to get a sense of really what they are or what they aren't at the moment. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go with this one. I can see us going 500 until Christmas, honestly. I'd have to look at the schedule. I hope they're above 500 by, by Christmas. I think they probably should be, but that's going to be health permitting, of course. That's obviously going to matter. Um, but 
I think most teams in the West are going to hover around 500 because the West is going to be really difficult. And that's part of, you know, big picture. One of the most frustrating things about losing to Orlando is that in terms of playoff seating in the NBA, one of the most important things you can do is win the games you're supposed to win. It's not about going out there and beating the top tier teams. Like, oh, we, you know, we had a eight and two record against all the top tier teams that are like, hey, that's great. But what really gets you into playoff seating is not doing something that's unrealistic against the best of the best. No, what really gets you where you want to go in terms of playoff seating, it's taking care of the games you should take care of. And this is one that in March, in April, we might be looking back on going, remember that night they just didn't really show up in Orlando? That's we're looking back. That's oh really hurting right now in the standings. We had so many of those moments last season. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, that was rough. There were there were definitely, definitely a lot. Uh, Mama Mentality, I don't know if it's the warm-up exercises or the non-intensity in warm-ups, but the Lakers don't warm up. They start the game ice cold, unacceptable. Ham slash Lakers fix it. I don't think it's a physical warm-up thing. I think it's something mental with the, the way this team's starting in first quarters. They're just, they aren't executing. You saw even in this game, I thought LeBron and AD played too much. Oh I was, my gosh. Like, why, why were they in the game? Why, why did LeBron play 35 minutes in this one? Why did AD play 32 minutes? Because they believed that they could somehow make this crazy comeback. And it wasn't, they hit a point where Austin and D'Lo missed back-to-back threes that would have cut it to a 10-point lead. And then Cole Anthony came down and scored. And that was it. That was the end. Had they made one or two of these threes that they had missed? Okay, maybe you could have pulled off a miracle comeback. But if they pulled these guys against Denver, they pulled LeBron against Denver and cut his minutes. The the, the one silver lining, the one benefit of getting blown out is you can limit LeBron's minutes. Right. Instead, he still played 35. I I thought that was a, a missed opportunity tonight in this game to say, well, you know what? This sucks. We've got things to work on. We need to fix all this. This is not a good thing. But in the heat of the moment, at least, at least the silver lining, LeBron only played like 28 minutes or something, right? And so we didn't put that extra wear on him. No, they played him 35 minutes. To me, that that didn't make sense. Me and Ryan were just screaming, why is Braun still in the game in the second quarter? No, not second quarter. Like late in the third and the entire fourth quarter, we were just saying, why is Braun and AD still in the game? Especially Braun, since he's supposed to have this now mythical minutes restriction that kind of cost you the game against Denver. 
and you're going to play them 35 minutes in a game that, you know, was kind of lost the entire way, especially in the fourth quarter where you were never really going to win, win that game and you just kind of le- left them in there for what exactly? Like I'm, I would love to f- know that one, but you know, it's frustrating. You got a day off. And then, like I said, you got um Miami Monday night. Yeah. You got Miami coming up Monday night. We'll see. The Lakers can get something done there. Hopefully they will. Uh, Ree said, as a Braun fan, his whole career, it's frustrating seeing the team play so terribly when he's out. Also can't lose games like this in the West. Um, I agree about that Western Conference bit. Um, I think the hope is, and the way this team was constructed, is that when they've got their wings playing, you're going to be okay when LeBron's out. So far, that has not been the case. My hope is that eventually they will get there because yeah. that's really was part of why this team was built the way that it is with so much wing depth. But right now, like LeBron is out, you would rely on Rui to hit a couple of tough jumpers, concussion protocol. You would rely on Jared Vanderbilt to get some, some stops, get some turnovers for the other team, steal the ball a couple of times, whatever. He's out. Heel bursitis. You rely on Torian Prince to shoot well from three and give you a little bit of size. He's out dealing with, uh, knee tendonitis. You're missing all the guys that would fill in in that way. Now, again, even when they were healthy, though, we still saw this phenomenon where LeBron goes out and things fall apart. But my long-term hope is that this team can find a way to break that cycle because Rhea is absolutely right. We're still stuck in, right now, mired in this dependency on LeBron to get anything done. As Super Dope Hip Hop mentions, LeBron was plus 12 in 35 minutes. The Lakers are minus 31 when LeBron was off. That's horrible. They can't, that's another thing. In addition to the first quarters, in addition to the offensive rebounding, and this all kind of rolls up under this, this also has to get fixed. It has to, you, if the goal is to get a healthy LeBron for playoff time, you can't have him bearing the the burden the entire season. You can't have the entire season, every game, winning or losing, be determined by whether or not he's on the floor. You've got a team with the depth to do it, You've got a team with the depth to not be so LeBron dependent, but you have to show it out there on the court. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but so far we haven't seen it. This team just has to be better without LeBron. Simple. But yep. again, it, it starts with the guards too, but that's why Austin actually, and Austin missed he, him and D'Lo at back-to-back, just brutal transition possessions mm. when the off of steals. Like, yep. oh my gosh, I'm not even going to get into that. Um, but... That, that's why Austin actually kind of getting into some sort of a rhythm and a flow offensively tonight is so awesome. Yeah, he put, now, up, he, he put up 20 on 7 for 11 shooting and 3 of 5 from deep. Right. And that for Austin going forward will allow, hypothetically, you to have, you know, LeBron be off the floor. You have like some semblance of an offense in the future. And then plus like, is D'Lo going to shoot one for 11 from three or one for 10 every single night no. from three? No. And so you add that, you add Torian, like, like Trevor said, you add these other guys that are missing and you'll start to be a lot better in the LeBron minutes where he is off the floor. So D'Lo after the game against the Clippers was getting a lot of praise and rightfully so. I thought he stepped up big time and, and hit some big shots over a few games. And then we've got like Ace of Hearts is saying, I truly hate D'Lo at times, uh, getting locked by a rookie. LOL. That rookie well, is Suggs, a really, really good defender. 
So, oh, we're talking about Anthony Black. Locked Black I mean, and he's, Suggs. That's, that's what I was going to say. Suggs does a really nice job defensively. Anthony Black is a really good... That's what he came into the league as. I was, you know, he, To his credit, he hit some corner threes, but he came into the league known as a very versatile defender. But I... I don't, we sometimes can ride that roller coaster. D'Lo had a bad game. And so you see a lot of people turning on him. He just had a bunch of really good games in a row. And a guy's not going to shoot lights out each and every game. Hopefully you bounce back and you do better next time. But I know it's frustrating in the moment when a guy shoots one for 10. But that's just, that's just kind of the way it goes. Sometimes guys have poor shooting nights. Sometimes guys uh, have great shooting nights. There's going to be that roller coaster effect. And I would encourage people not to completely bail out on a player or lose faith in a player, even if you might be frustrated from that one game. Um, it's it's just kind of, especially when you're very dependent on your three-point shooting, that is such a volatile skill that just game to game doesn't naturally offer a lot of consistency. And so there can be frustration there, but don't go all out on Dilo. Remember, he's got... He just had a bunch of really good games in a row where he was a big part of why the Lakers won. This is a bad night. Hopefully he bounces back against Miami. I'm not going to lie. And this is my pushback currently on a D'Angelo Russell trade. Potential trade. I know we're, we are a ways away. We're from, ways away. Shout out to Frank. Um, this is my pushback on a D'Angelo Russell trade. I'm not trading D'Angelo Russell unless I'm getting another high-level playmaker back. Because, like, let's say, and I'm, I've talked about trading for DeMar DeRozan a few times mm -hmm. recently, but I'm not trading for DeMar DeRozan. For, I'm not trading D'Angelo Russell for him because now who is your playmaker not named LeBron James? Austin struggled at it so far this year in kind of a limited sample size, but still he has struggled with it. Gabe Vincent, no. You're not playing Jalen Hutchifino this early. Like, who is your next playmaker? D'Angelo Russell has been legitimately your second best playmaker on this team. And at times, even your best playmaker on this team. So I'm not trading D'Lo unless I'm getting another playmaker back. And who that is, who knows? And as a trade deadline question, but like Trevor said, I'm not going to be completely out on D'Angelo Russell. Okay, let me give you some players then. Right? I'm going to give you some players. I'm, I'm just pulling the top assist leaders right now. And chat, right. you guys can help me out with this. I'm pulling the top assist leaders right now. And all I want you to do is just tell me, forget about the contracts. If sure. you could swap this player for D'Lo, would you do it? Right. And the first one's a doozy. I'm not going to say Luca and players like that. Dennis Schroeder. No. Okay. Chat, Dennis Schroeder for D'Lo. No. Would you make that swap? Again, contracts. I've got somebody in the chat said yes. Somebody said, is Halliburton available? A lot of people in the chat saying no. Okay. Uh, let's go Chris Paul. Chris Paul for are, are we Are we going back to 2021? <laughs> we no. do not have a time machine. We are not We are not going back to 2021. We, don't, we do not have a flex capacitor. We're not getting up to 88 miles per hour. All right, Fred right. Van Vliet. Uh, no, 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 no. no. Maybe I should have said no that that loud since we're taking out contracts, but still a no. Okay, still a no for for Fred Van Vliet, and these are just these are playmakers that could be other guys that you 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 could go at. Oh, here's a, I'm just going down the assist list here. Obviously, Jokic is out. Cade Cunningham is out. Um, ben Simmons, no. Ben Simmons for he's been playing better this season, but I agree. I agree. Uh, oh boy, <laughs> this is okay. Chat, get ready. For for the all caps, 
Russell Westbrook. No. <laughs> <laughs> he was next on the list. He was next on the list. Okay, but so here we go. I'm now down to six assists. I just hit D'Lo himself at seven assists. Right. Um, you were running out of guys really quick. Trey Jones with the San Antonio Spurs. No, I'm not trading D'Lo for Trey Jones. Right? Oh, boy, our old friend Taylor Horton Tucker. I'll beat you to it. No. Ew. We're, Jeez. We're, not, <laughs> we're not doing that. All right, here's one. Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, no, but that's like the first kind of intriguing one. Okay. Uh, CJ McCollum. Again, that's kind of an intriguing one, but no. Tyus Jones. No. Terry Rozier. No. Marcus Smart. No. Oh, no one, Marcus Smart. Malcolm Brogdon. No. Can we stop the Malcolm Brogdon one, please? I'm so glad you said his name. Dog's going to come here and play 10 games. DeAnthony Melton. No. Uh, DeLon Wright. No. Karis Levert. No. Okay, so now I'm now I'm down to like four and a half assists per game. So when we talk about playmakers, and again, there could be some gaps in this list, but if it has to be a playmaker, there's not a lot of guys out there. But here's another one though. Somebody just mentioned it. Not a not a playmaker per se. Alex Caruso. No, because I talked about this on on a post post game show a year a couple of weeks back. Not a couple weeks back, a couple games back. And this is why I said no to Marcus Smart. When okay. I, how I view roster construction personally, right, is you you build your roster to beat like the top dog of your conference, right? And the top dog is Denver, right? Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, how you beat Denver is one of two ways. And I don't personally think Alex Grusso solves the, one of those two things. It's either one, you out execute Denver. To where, like, you can just run offense three, four possessions in a row in the crunch time and just get consistently good shots and money-making shots in the fourth quarter, and you're able to get some stops defensively, which I guess Alex can help with that, but that's one half of the floor. And this kind of leads to my second part, where I think the only, the only other way, and this is why I'm kind of big on getting to Mark potentially, is the only other way I think you'd be Denver is if you have a, a guy on your team that for three to four minutes in crunch time of a playoff game can go like just become unguardable. Mm-hmm. And I love Alex. I'm not trading D'Lo for Alex. So I'm not trading D'Lo for um for for Marcus Smart. Although Marcus is a little bit better, I suppose. I I, but, I think I'm a yes on on Smart. I might okay. even be a yes on CJ McCollum as well. Okay, but even CJ's a little bit interesting though as a mm-hmm. third option. We're like. He can be unguardable for three minutes. And, uh, like, LeBron, and that, that's why it was so encouraging to see what LeBron did against the Clippers because there was a stretch in the fourth quarter where you're like, oh, my God, they can't guard him. And, like, there is no, there was nothing the Clippers can do. You switched it. Okay, cool. LeBron's going to bully you. Uh, you go under. LeBron's hitting the pull-up three. <laughs> Super chat says I wouldn't take Westbrook for free, for free. Jesus, please. Um <laughs> like that's yeah. 2018 LeBron short. Give me Alex Caruso all day, right? Or Marcus Smart all day. But I just don't think when we're talking about beating Denver, I don't think I'm saying yes to like Alex Caruso for D. Definitely not AC for for uh for for D Lo. 
Maybe, so, maybe I'll go back and say yeah to like CJ and maybe like a harsh maybe for for Marcus, but I'm I'm not saying yes to Alex Caruso for D'Lo. So I think that the the point of the exercise was if you're looking for a playmaker specifically that you're going to replace D'Lo with, and I'm not even saying you should replace D'Lo, but there's not a lot of options that you can look at out there where you say that's a clear upgrade. Now, if you want to make the argument that what the Lakers need in their backcourt is not. Austin and D'Lo together, even though I like their interchangeability, if you want to make the argument that the way the best path to success is a more three and D style lockdown defender next to Austin or D'Lo, then you can make, then you can go try to make that adjustment and go try to find such a player. Maybe you start talking about Torian Prince playing the two and bringing one of those guys off the bench and, and changing things up a bit. But specifically, if you're trying to find somebody to replace D'Lo that can also be a playmaker, the list is not that long. The list is not that long. And I'll be honest with you, the thought has occurred to me, and I don't, look, I'm not ready to get into trade mode yet. I think it's way too early for it. But if I'm the Lakers, I'm keeping a close eye on Memphis. They're 0-6 right now. And I'm seeing, does somebody pop free like a Marcus Smart around the trade deadline? And is that something that you can go add? Because I do think this team needs perimeter defense. But again, even if, if Memphis called up and said, hey, you know, Adam Silver said said he's going to forget about the CBA and we can make a trade right now if we wanted to for contracts that were signed over the summer. Let's do it. I'm not ready to do it yet. You got to wait until we're closer to the trade deadline, February 8th. But nonetheless, just some guys to keep an eye on. So after looking at some of the data really fast on CJ McCollum, my answer is probably yes. On McCollum? Probably yeah. change my answer. So give me a yes for CJ. Because I, I think CJ is just like a, a, a souped up version of like what they really want in D'Lo. Like this guy that can be on and off ball, which still pairs nicely with Austin. And the Pelicans aren't going to trade with the Lakers, you know, but yeah. Sure, but right. if, if that option was on the table, yeah, I, I think there's some. I'd probably say yeah. Yeah, there's some some reason for it. All right. Uh, Mission 86 said, I know I've been calling for a blowout. Sean, the last few shows on here, we've been talking about how nice it would be for a blowout win. Just wire to wire, kick back and relax, drink in your hand type of win. And this is, he said, the Lakers clearly misunderstood the assignment. Yeah, blowout loss. Okay, go get Miami. Can't dwell on it too much. Next. Good thing about basketball. There's always another game right there. It's coming up. Mamba Mentality said, start Wood instead of Cam for the time being. Boy, we, you know, I sang Cam's praises, Cam Reddish, after the last game. Bad tonight. Um, he, this guy said, Mamba Mentality said, Cam should only play against the Clippers to guard PG or Kawhi. Uh, I don't care how much Ham sees Cam in his dreams. <laughs> Cam's getting cooked by anyone, everyone. This was not a good Cam Reddish game. Are we at the point now? where you just say, look, your best lineup is the bigger lineup with AD, with LeBron, with Christian Wood, and you just say, let's start Christian Wood. Uh, what's your big, what's the more pressing concern to you right now? Is it the offense or defensive side of the ball? Uh, one sec, I can't hear you. I, I'm plugging my headphones on accident. All right, my bad. It's For me, it's it's the defense. The The defense is the, the more concerning thing because I think they've been consistently mediocre at best on defense. The offense has had ebbs and flows, but um, but I think they're they're going to be okay offensively when shots drop. Okay, so my answer then is yes. You just go to Christian Wood. That would be my answer. Yeah, um, Damn, it's not like Cam Reddish was playing. He's been rough offensively. Again, liked what he did defensively against Clippers, but 
the offense has been uh yikes. Uh yeah. Just yeah. Oh my god. I again I thought it was the opposite. I thought it was where he was the turnstile defensively and like something on offense. But yeah, he's he's not even an option on defense on offense right now. Mm-hmm. And then he defensively has a, a game like tonight where he gets beat back door a few times, doesn't navigate screens well. Like this oh, was a- the after the score, the or, or it may not have been after a score, but he got a, a hit ahead pass to I believe it was Franz Wagner, then committed the foul and won oh when he got gosh. beat down the floor. Where he wraps him like around. Like, what are you doing? I was so bad. That um, was so bad. This was a good night for the for my Max Christie propaganda. I'm joking, by the way, about the propaganda part, but this was a nice night for it. Um, but yeah, like Camrash just wasn't good. To Mama Mentality's point, yeah, Christian Wood most nights does do a good job on the defensive glass. Matty James said, if I'm the coach, the only thing we're practicing at practice is defense and how to box out. I don't know if it's just not practicing it enough. Maybe it's not practicing at all. That that could be the problem. But regardless, uh, yeah, the the box outs, the the defensive glass was a big even when even when Christian Wood was on the floor, it was a problem uh, against Orlando. And now the Lakers, they're terrible at getting offensive rebounds, but that's more of a choice they're making because they're committing their guys to run back and try to prevent transition opportunities. But they didn't really do that either in this game because, like I said, Cam Reddish got that. Hit ahead, touchdown pass thrown over the top of him. Chris V, uh-oh, said insane that Sean still thinks rebounds are not an issue. Sh- Sean, the numbers, I don't, and I have to look at what the updated numbers are now. They probably don't look so good after this game, but the numbers said, yeah, they're not a terrible defensive glass team. And in last season, they were a, a pretty good team on the defensive glass. But when you have a game like this, where you just get, brutalized by the other team grabbing offensive rebound after offensive rebound. I mean, literally, the Magic's best offense was just shoot. Just throw the ball up in the basket. If it doesn't go in, you're going to get the offensive rebound, and whenever you get an offensive rebound, the defense is put in such a bad spot because guys are out of position. You get oftentimes a kick out three, or you get a put back right at the rim. Um, That was their best offense. Just throw the ball up on the rim and trust that somebody on your team is going to go chase it down, and then you can work from there. Um, it's hard to feel like the rebounding is not an issue after this game, but the stats have over the last season and this season more often backed up what you're saying when you're not concerned about the the rebounding. Yeah, I would just emphasize this, that when you look at the rebounding numbers from a game, and I'm not defending the Lakers rebounding effort tonight because again, like tonight was awful, especially in terms of box outs and things like that, right? But when you look at the rebounding numbers from a box score, look at the defensive rebounding numbers and don't really pay attention to the Lakers' offensive rebounding count. Because like Trevor said, and like I've, I've been trying to say in the past, they try to make more of a concerted effort in terms of limiting as many transition opportunities as possible by getting back on defense and converting to the rim and, and matching up out of that. But, um, yeah, I mean, tonight there there isn't an excuse for tonight's game. I mean... Tonight is a bad game to like pull up the uh for me to say that rebounds are an issue. Tonight it was really more of a box out issue. Um they are now after tonight's game, they rank 19th in the NBA 
in offense and opponents offensive rebounds so the number of offense uh, offensive rebounds they give up that's not good but remember they just got annihilated there yeah like you would expect that number to just balloon after this even, game even and for... so even with this terrible game in a small sample size of just six games they they drop to 19th which is not good but i think over the course of a whole season they'll be kind of mediocre there it it's an issue that needs to be addressed but there are teams that are worse than them at it i guess let's let's put it that way sure that's an optimistic way to look at it and then <laughs> they're, they're not the worst they're not the worst they're not top they're not bottom 10 but even if you look at defensive rebounding percentage they're literally middle of the pack they're 15th and you're missing one of your higher energy guys in Jared Vanderbilt, who's not going to solve everything, but he's going to definitely help. So again, I'm it's too early to like make to completely judge this team, but uh, tonight was definitely a, a bad night for the Lakers. All right. Mama mentality says, Sean, are you still doing a post post game show? Yeah, we'll do that in just a few minutes. Um, Let's let's do this though. We vented a lot. But we've yet to make anything official. So let's get into it. Master Lock of the Night. The Master Lock of the Night. For anybody new, the way it works, we take whatever the most annoying thing from the game was, and we get to vent a little bit. We, not literally, but we put it in our good buddy Chris the Masterpiece Masters, finishing hold, the Master Lock. So... What was the most annoying thing from this game? Um, oh, my goodness. I've got somebody that says Master Lock the whole roster. <laughs> the whole roster is crazy. Uh, Ma- oh, no. Master Lock the franchise. The whole franchise. Wow. Franchise um, is kind of crazy. What do you think should be put in the Master Lock from this game? Uh, just the boxing out. Boxing out effort. Uh, I actually, I guess I'll just go with the effort. The effort to start the game was uh, just really, really rough. These rough starts, you can't keep having these rough starts. Like, you have a rough start. I don't know what well, I'm thinking of this team because this is who you play on Christmas as opposed to like thinking about Miami or Phoenix, even. You have a rough start against this Celtics team come Christmas Day. You're going to get blasted by 35 on national television. Uh-huh. Like, stop having these rough starts. Come out with energy, play hard. Get some organized offense. Get some easy shots in early, and the game will kind of flow from there. But, yeah, man, this is a super, super rough game, but it starts from the jump, and you got you got, got some time to fix it for sure, but you don't want it to be game 50, and we're still having these same conversations. Venom hits mine here. 39 to the effing Magic. Vibes. So I'm master locking first quarters. First quarter starts have got to stop. And maybe this is something that has to do with the effort as well, tying into yours. But I'm going with the first quarter. You can't continue to spot your opponents, double digits, and then expect to battle back over the remaining three quarters. You just can't do it. You just cannot do it. You can't do it. Can't do that. So they have to fix that. It's going to be, if you don't fix that for the whole season, we're in for a long season if they don't fix it. I'm not expecting that. I expect them to fix it, but it's got to be done. It's got to be fixed. Five out of six games, having a double-digit point deficit coming out of the first quarter, that's a problem that needs to be fixed, needs to be fixed. 
immediately. That's that that's the boat has a hole in it. You better get something to patch it and patch it fast. Wesley said, seems like we are circled on every team's calendar. We're getting everybody's best shot uh, and not matching energy. Yep. We talked a little bit about that. That is a thing. But if you're the Lakers, you have to realize we're the Lakers. Everybody's going to bring it. And if we don't, we're getting our butts kicked. We're not the Clippers. We're not the Clippers. That is true. Iambiguous said yet another horrible first quarter half slash start, forcing us to have to come back from an insurmountable odds. Only good thing was Austin looked like Austin. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Austin looked like Austin. Um, Jerome said a loss to the Heat is coming. I can feel it. But way to be optimistic there, Jerome. Come on. We've seen this team play well, too. Maddie James said, Master Lock, the magic commentator that referred to the Lakers as the Celtics. That happened? That happened? I didn't know that. Yeah, never mind. Give, give him the boot. Master Lock him. Yeah, that's um, that's gross. That's really gross. <sighs> so bad. Um, Schlugboy said, is it hard to realize that five players are out? No, it's not. No, that's and that's, look, that's absolutely a factor. But the Magic were missing players too. That's why I can't look. If if the Lakers were playing Milwaukee, and Milwaukee had a completely healthy team, and the Lakers are missing five guys, and the Lakers get their butts kicked, I'd come on here and I'd say, well, you know what? Hey, they hustled. Uh, hopefully, they hustled. They played hard. But ultimately, the Lakers were missing five guys. Milwaukee wasn't. Milwaukee's a good team. Lakers couldn't overcome it. Right? Like that's that's a different story. But this was the Lakers were missing five guys. Didn't hustle, didn't play hard, missed box out assignments, and got beat by a team that was hungrier than they were. I don't think the missing five guys piece is what created this loss. So it's important in terms of context to know that guys were missing. Yes, but your opponent was missing guys too. That's not why they lost this game. Your, in opponent, my was, your opponent was missing three starters. Yeah. Or two. I think Gary comes off the bench. Yeah, Gary Harris does come off the bench. Uh, Lucas Higgins, we're lucky to be 3-3, three and three, but Prince and Rui back Monday. Fingers crossed. Hope you're right, Lucas. Hope you're right. All right, we're going to do one more here, and then we'll uh, kick it over to you for uh, for your show, Sean. Eric Mata said, this is an oversimplification, but we need dogs. We're developing an identity of low-energy team. Vando will help. I hope it's enough. Patrick Beverly, is that you? Are you saying the Lakers don't have don't have dogs? No, I mean... This was a legit question, though, that I had starting the season. And I don't remember the show that I mentioned it on, but I said, who's the who's the tough guy on this team? Like, every good team has had that guy where you know if you mess with somebody, that guy's going to be in your face. That guy's going to be coming flying in and shoving you and, and all that kind of stuff. That guy's going to be keeping everybody fired up. That guy's going to be motivated. The Lakers, the the twenty twenty Lakers, had a few players who were who were like that, that were just physical, right? Dwight, Javale, Markeith Morris. Once he came on board, those teams have that guy. This Lakers team doesn't really have that specific player. Who is and, the last year? So last year, it's kind of strange because normally you think of a physical presence. 
but I think it was Dennis. I think it was Dennis was that guy that was just constantly mm. going to out hustle and outwork a lot of other players. Maybe you could argue Vando because he not that he's going to you know fight somebody, but he also has that kind of never ending energy. But I think Dennis with the you know the diving to the floor, the picking up his man, you know, full okay. and all that kind of stuff. I think that that's contagious, even though that's not quite the same as like that physical. I'm going to knock your teeth out if you mess with my guys type of attitude. Right. It's not, not quite the same way, but you're kind of missing that toughness and effect. And I felt that Dennis did bring that toughness. I think uh, if you had to pick two from this team, then it's probably Vando and Gabe. In and terms Gabe. of just toughness and just like, not like dog in the way that you think or like toughness in the way that you think, like Trevor said, but like he'll be gritty. He can dive on on floors for loose balls and, you know, get, make just these little plays that aren't going to show up in the box score. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like Travis says, Gabe. So those are the two players that popped in my head the most. Um, Yeah. I would probably say Vando and, and, and Gabe, and it just sucks and that both, both Gabe and Torrin, they're both out for extended periods of time right now. Yeah. Both with one of them with a heel issue and the other one, Gabe's is a knee tendonitis, right? Uh, Gabe is a knee effusion, which I, I'm not going to pretend to know exactly what that means. I'm not a, not a doctor, <laughs> but, uh, but something is going on with his knee and apparently his knee swelled up and yeah, not, not ideal there with, with Gabe Vincent. All right. Uh, everybody chat. We're not done. We're going to transition over to Sean's show, the Lakers nation post post game show in just a moment here those of you who contribute shoot super chats um i will put them on tomorrow's show if i didn't get to it already so i'm saving those just be aware we don't always get to all of them on each show uh, i will save them though and get to them on tomorrow's show so once again thank you everybody sean's going to start the post post game show where he's going to dive a little deeper into some of the advanced analytics and, and all that sort of stuff from this game sean again you're a trooper for wanting to talk so much about what was kind of a brutal brutal game but everybody hang out uh sean's always got some great stuff to go through thank you everybody that's gonna do it for me till next time see ya and stay safe